This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher, Jeremy Myers. We're looking at Jonah 1.5 today. This is episode number 68. I've entitled it, Dozing Off While Others Drown. Hope you're ready to get challenged by today's podcast episode. Remember how in previous podcast episodes, especially the last one, I told you that uh, in studying the book of Jonah, we're going on a journey with Jonah. Yeah, we're going to learn some surprising things that Jonah learns about God. We're going to learn some of those things as well, but... More importantly, we're going to see that Jonah learns some surprising things about his himself. And when we see that, hopefully, we see our own heart, our own face in the mirror of Scripture. And we learn some convicting things about ourselves as well. That begins today. We're going we're gonna to see our own face in the mirror. And I'm warning you right now, it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> uh, I hope you're up for it. It's going to get convicting. Uh, Before we dive into that, though, I do want to encourage you, uh, and I do that in my online discipleship course, on my online discipleship courses, I should say, and other areas. You can get uh, podcast downloads, free eBooks, and even uh, all of my theology courses. I'm about a month away from from launching another online theology course. It's a monster of a course, and it's really going to help you understand Scripture. And uh, you can get access to that course and all the other courses when you join my discipleship uh, area. And you need to join the Hope or Love discipleship areas. The Faith one is free, and uh, it gives you access to one course. But uh, you get all the courses and everything else when you join the Hope or Love discipleship area. Anyway, to learn more and uh, join me there, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. RedeeminggodCom dot com slash join can't wait to see you there and uh stick around we'll pick up with jonah one five in just a couple seconds all right so in uh, jonah one five we gain an interesting insight into the heart of jonah uh, and in the process we're going to gain <laughs> Fairly convicting insight into our own hearts as well. Uh, We're on this journey with Jonah, and as Jonah learns things about God, we learn things about God, and as Jonah learns things about himself, well, even if he doesn't, we are going to learn some some things about ourselves as well. And that's what we're going to see today in Jonah 1.5, but uh, before we see what those convicting things are, let's just look at the text itself. Uh, here in Jonah 1.5, God sends this, uh, actually in Jonah 1.4, God sends this storm. We talked about that in the previous podcast episode. And now we begin to see what the results of that storm were. We, it says, Jonah 1.5, that the storm was so great that the sailors became afraid. Now, uh, this had to be quite the storm for the sailors to become afraid. They were these seasoned veteran sailors, most likely. Probably had experienced many, many storms throughout their lives. And so for them to become afraid, uh, this indicates how severe this storm was. And, and a re- as a result of this fear, uh, they, they do two things. First, the text says, 
each man cried unto his God, right? (laughs) Uh, They were so afraid for their lives that they are crying out to their gods for deliverance. Now, which gods were these? Well, we don't really know where these sailors were from. They they probably were from Phoenicia, Um, but maybe they were from Canaan or one of the other surrounding countries. And so they're likely... Wherever they're from, though, sailors typically tend to pray to storm gods, especially in storms, or sea gods, something like that. And so likely, uh, they were praying to Baal Hadad, uh, or um, he was the storm god, or the god of sea and chaos, which is Yom. Uh, If you remember from our Genesis podcast, we did talk a little bit about Yom, and um, Y-A-M. It's actually the Hebrew word for sea, by the way. Anyway, um, that's the first thing they did. They, they cried out to their God. They're praying, God, calm the storm, that sort of a thing, okay? But they didn't just do that. They also did something else, tried to survive this terrible storm. It's The text says they hurled the cargo, which was in the ship, into the sea. It's interesting here, the word for hurl here is the same word we saw in 1.4, where God hurled a great wind upon the sea. Same word used here. That's why uh, some translations might sort of try to bring that out by saying the the sailors hurled their cargo. So God hurls a great wind upon the sea and the sailors hurl their cargo uh, into the sea. All right. Um, Sort of an interesting parallel there. Now, what was their cargo? Again, we don't know for sure, but uh, they're headed for Tarshish. So they're probably carrying things that the Middle East, especially Israel in that area, would be producing. Uh, and the things that people over in, uh, on the western side of the Mediterranean, over there, which is modern-day Spain, what they would be interested in. So it's probably gold, silver, maybe some iron, ivory, that sort of a thing, jewels, spices, exotic animals, right? Things from the east. And uh, certainly a bunch of food and water as well. So hurling their cargo into the sea indicates how uh, serious the situation had become. I mean, this was their livelihood. This was their income. If they hurled their cargo, they cannot trade it for stuff in Tarshish. And this is a, you know, one, two, maybe even three years worth of salary they're just dumping overboard here. Why would they do that? Again, they were so afraid for their lives. They figured it was better to live and lose salary, lose income, than to survive with all their cargo. I'm sorry, than to keep all their cargo and go down with the ship, right? <laughs> Riches and food, no good to a dead man. And, of course, their goal then is to lighten the load so it doesn't, doesn't sit as, as heavy on the water, takes in less water that way, and hopefully less damage, and therefore this is their way to survive the ship. Okay, now, we're reading this, reading this text, and I love how the author just lays it out for us because we have these, you know, quote-unquote, from the readers, from our perspective, from Jonah's perspective, from the reader's perspective, these pagan sailors, right? They're, 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 they're worshiping false gods, praying to false gods. And in, in, a, in, a, in a way, we feel a little, I don't know, a little empathy for them, a little pity maybe. They just were unlucky enough to get caught on this boat with this prophet who's rebelling, slapping God in the face, and now they're paying the price for it. They're paying the consequences, and they don't know what's going on, why their lives are in danger, why they're losing their their income, their salary for the next couple of years, but uh, it's all Jonah's fault. And yet here they are, they're doing the best they can. They're doing what they can to survive. They're, They're praying, they're crying out to their gods, they're throwing the cargo overboard, 
And so the natural, the logical, the reasonable question then is, well, if that's what these sailors are doing, they're trying to survive, they're praying, they're working like mad to survive the storm, what is Jonah doing? (laughs) Well, uh, we already saw in verse 3 that Jonah went down into the deepest part of the ship, and uh, he went down into, you know, that's probably where some of the cargo was stored. And so, so you know, Jonah's praying. It, it, I'm sorry, the sailors are praying. Is Jonah down there praying? What's he doing down there? Right? They're, they're trying to save their lives by tossing cargo into the sea. He's down there with the cargo. Is he helping them bring some of it up? <laughs> they're afraid for their lives. Is he afraid for his? Is he crying out to the one true God, the God of heavens and earth, as he says later? <laughs> No. Uh, here, here we are at the end of verse 5. It says, Jonah had gone down into the deepest part of the ship, had lain down, and had fallen asleep. Into a, fallen down into a deep sleep. The word down there is mentioned three times. Just as we saw earlier in verse 3, he had gone down to Joppa, down into the ship, right? Uh, down into the boat. Now he's down into the deepest part of the ship. He'd lain down and had fallen down. See the down, 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 down. It's showing this downward descent, this downward spiral that Jonah is on. And here we see what Jonah's doing. The the contrast between him and these quote-unquote pagan sailors, right, who don't know anything, don't know what from down, (laughs) the contrast could not be more stark. Rather than fearing for his life, praying to God, right? Helping the sailors throw the cargo overboard, lighten the ship's load. No, Jonah's asleep. (laughs) We might have to ask, why? How could Jonah sleep through such a storm, right? Uh, Lots of commentaries, pastors, scholars suggest various things, you know. Um, how he's able to sleep in such a storm. I read one guy, he says, well, Jonah had confidence in God that he would survive. I don't, I don't think that's it. Um, you know, so, some think, well, maybe he's drunk. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. Um, some people say that uh, he was sleeping from exhaustion. He was just so tired, you know, the stress of, of, of running away from God. I don't know. Maybe that's true. Some, <laughs> I read one guy, one commentary, he says that... Uh, that uh, he, he, he initially probably had tried to help the sailors, because that's what any normal person would do. And uh, so, but uh, apparently the storm had knocked him unconscious. He had banged his head, and so uh, he, he, he was knocked unconscious down there. Uh, I really don't think that that's what's going on. Most commentaries say that, that uh, this deep sleep Jonah's in, in the middle of a storm, was a result of severe depression. You know what? I don't know why. We, we don't know why. The text does not say. Uh, now, we are going to get some hints and some, some ideas, maybe, in following verses on why he was sleeping. We'll talk about that in future episodes. The point is, whatever condition Jonah was in, okay, whatever the condition, he, he, he doesn't seem to care very much that he's about to die. Uh, he knows that he has terribly offended God, that he's basically slapped God in the face He's God's righteous prophet, right? Uh, righteous disciple, but he's not behaving very righteously, and so God's righteous discipline is going to come up on Jonah, and Jonah just does not care. So he figures, I'm going to die. I might as well face it sleeping. <laughs> uh, better to fall, you know, to, to drown in my sleep, I guess. Eventually he'll wake up, but uh, 
Anyway, we, we don't know. We'll, we'll talk about some of that in future episodes. The worst part, though, about Jonah's actions here is that he got on a boat with other people and, in so doing, endangered their lives as well as his own. Okay? And if that's not bad enough, Jonah doesn't seem to care about their lives either. Right? It's one thing if Jonah himself says, you know what? I've disobeyed God. He's going to punish me. He's going to discipline me, if this is what Jonah's thinking. So, might as well let God take me out. Okay, Jonah, you know what? It's your life. Um, this is something going on between you and God. So, okay, you know, that's one thing. We might not agree with it. We might not like that line of thinking, that mindset. But, okay, Jonah, that's what you're going to do. We can deal with that. But when Jonah puts the lives of the people, the sailors on ship, when he puts their lives in danger along with his own, and then he doesn't care about them either? Now, I had a problem with that, and I hope you do too. Okay? Jonah's endangering the lives of people around him. I have a problem with that. And he doesn't seem to care. Anyway, we'll, we'll be talking more about that. And that's the end of Jonah 1.5. It's a very surprising mindset here that we see in Jonah. And I think the point is for us, remember we're on this journey with Jonah, to step back a little bit and take a look at Jonah a little more closely. To be shocked and surprised, maybe even disgusted a little bit at his behavior. But when we do that, Okay, here's where it gets convicting. We might start to see ourselves in Jonah, lying there, asleep, in the hold of the boat, while a life-threatening storm rages above. You say, Jeremy, I, that's not me. <clears throat> I don't do that. <laughs> the storm comes, I'm going to be out there helping. Well, uh, maybe. Yeah, I would like to say that about myself as well. But uh, remember, last week's episode, let's just step back a little bit and take a second look at this. Last week's episode, we, we considered the question of whether or not God even sends storms, right? And um, I suggested then that we're not just talking about weather storms, right? Weather patterns, wind and waves and, and hurricanes and things like that, but also storms of life such as sickness, famine, loss of job. Loss of family member, right? Loss of a loved one. And, you know, just all the, the general difficulties that people face in life. And the question is, those are storms, right? Metaphorical storms. Uh, does God send those storms into the lives of other people, into your life, into my life? And again, just like with weather storms, weather patterns, some people say yes, some people say no. All right? And, and I'm not sure that the book of Jonah... Uh, is, in, is written to help us answer those questions. Where they come from, how they come, look, isn't as important as the fact that they do come, all right? And then what do we do when they come? Not just in our life, but in other people as well, right? You know, we might argue about, about where the storms come from, but the truth is, regardless of where they come from, they do come, right, into everybody's life. Your life, my life, your neighbor's life, co-worker's life, family member's life, right? And so the question facing us in Jonah 1.5 is this. How do you respond 
when the storms of life fall upon this world, right? How do you respond when the storms of life come upon other family members, your neighbors, your co-workers? And it seems that there are two typical Christian responses. Uh, on the one hand, we tend to blame right, sin, sin in the world for the problems of this world. Um, well, if you hadn't acted that way, God wouldn't be, you know, this wouldn't have happened to you. Maybe we don't say God, maybe we do. Some people do. If you hadn't done that, God wouldn't be punishing you. It's your own fault that this is coming upon you. All right, and uh, that's, that's one typical Christian response. This is happening to you because of sin in your life. <laughs> Ever had anyone say that to you? That's one typical Christian response. The other Christian response is just to ignore it. You know, la, 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 stick your fingers in your ears and, and, uh, you know, sing a happy song about Jesus or something. (laughs) Just ignore the pain and problems. Oh, it's too much for me. You know, I I can't, I can't deal with all of the pain and problems around me. So we just ignore it. Um, So let's look briefly at at, uh, each, each, each of these two responses. All right. So first we tend to blame the sin in the world for the problems in this world, right? Uh, People get sick, they lose their jobs. We Christians say, well, you're just being punished, right? For some sin in your life. Um, we saw this back in 9-11, for example. These terrorist attacks killed thousands of people, tragic, in New York City. And uh, there were some Christians who said it was God's judgment upon wickedness in our country, right? And uh, some people said, well, it's because of what New York stands for, materialism, greed, or, you know, in, in some crazier sections, uh, feminism, or, 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 or abortionists, or, or, or homosexuals, right? Uh, God is punishing us for... All those sorts of things. It's insane, that sort of a response, and terribly unloving. We saw this when uh, this tsunami in uh, 2004 in Indonesia killed like 200,000 people, right? Some Christians went out there on the airwaves and the news and the radio stations and their blogs and said, and Twitter and Facebook and said, this is because of um, the Muslim majority, Muslim people in, uh, in Indonesia. God is punishing uh, Islamic fundamentalism. <laughs> uh, Hurricane Katrina comes in New Orleans, right? Uh, Mardi Gras and, and everything that goes on down there. And, and, and so some Christians said, well, it's because of voodoo and immor- immorality, <laughs> right? That's why, that's why Hurricane Katrina came. Then we got Hurricane Sandy coming in New York, in New Jersey in 2012. God's judgment on, you know, there were some people, God's judgment upon, I don't know what, President Obama, right? Gay people again. Gay people always are uh, popular scapegoats for Christians. Let's uh, march them out there and blame all the problems of the world on them. Quote a couple Bible verses. Anyway, you you get the point. This, This is, you know, and maybe it's not some big catastrophe, but your your neighbor loses their job or... This family member who you think is sinning, they, they have a sickness or they get in a car accident or something. And so you sort of nod your head yourself. Yep, well, I saw that coming. God's punishing them for some sin, right? That's the first sort of response. Now, do you know that this sort of approach to sin, this sort of approach to pain in a person's life, is never endorsed or supported by Jesus? Not once. I challenge you to go through the Gospels and see Jesus ever do this to somebody who's facing a problem or sickness or pain or disease or something in their life or death, okay? 
uh, he does the exact opposite. You go through the Gospels and you will see this over and over. In fact, his disciples thought this way, by the way. And so uh, they, for example, they come across a person who is born blind from birth, that they're blind from birth. And so they, what do they say? Who sinned, Jesus, this man or his parents? What are they saying? Well, clearly God must be punishing this guy because he was born blind. And so since we know that God punishes people for sin, therefore someone must have sinned, either this man or his parents, in order for this man to be, right? That's the question. And what does Jesus say? Neither. You guys are thinking about this the wrong way. You've got it all backwards. He was born this way to glorify God. Okay, it has nothing to do with sin. That's what Jesus is saying. We go on and on um, through the Gospels. See how Jesus responds to people who are experiencing storms in life. And it's not just the Gospels, by the way. We, we could go into other places in Scripture. The book of Job, this is the question in the book of Job. Why does all this bad stuff happen to Job? And his three friends come around and say, well, it's because of sin, right? That's the normal response. Then God comes along at the end and says, you guys don't know what you're talking about. This has nothing to do with sin. Anyway, the point is, this first typical Christian response is flat out wrong. Okay? Never, ever, just, if, if you found yourself saying these sometimes in the past, it's okay. Okay? It's natural, normal, we all do it. But try to weed this out of your life. Okay? When storms come upon people in life, do not automatically assume that these bad things happen to other people because God's punishing them for some sin. Okay, we Christians need to stop saying such things. Jesus never said it. The Bible raises serious challenges to that sort of thinking. Why are these sailors experiencing these problems? <laughs> not because of anything they've done wrong. Okay, if anything, it's Jonah. And even that, there's a question about that. Anyway, uh, speaking of Jonah, this is not what Jonah does, thankfully. He doesn't, he's not up there blaming the sailors because they're idol-worshiping pagans, okay? Uh, thankfully, we're going to see this in future episodes, Jonah never blames the sailors, okay? Uh, he, he blames himself. Uh, and, and that's a significant truth that we will consider more deeply when we get there as well, all right? Uh, but what's Jonah's problem? Well, uh, Jonah does the second typical Christian response, okay? He does what a lot of us do. Maybe we're not out there blaming other people, okay? But um, we often do what Jonah is doing here. And what is it he's doing? Well, <laughs> he ignores the problem. He, he, he's sleeping. He goes to sleep. He, he blocks it out. He shuts his eyes and his ears to all the turmoil and the fear, and the pain, and the problems all around him, and he nods off to sleep. And, and I'll be honest, I, I, I think this describes a lot of us Christians. I'm including myself in that. The world is falling apart around us. The storm is surging in the lives of people on every side. And what do we do? Oh, we sink down into our pews, right? We, we gather around our Bibles. We close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer. We gather in our church basements for our potlucks, our warm living rooms for our Bible studies, all the while ignoring the crash of thunder, the howl of wind, and the cries for help on the deck above us. And we look at them and we might shake our heads and we say, don't they know they're praying to the wrong gods? Right? Or, 
Don't they know we're trying to engage in Bible study in a church service here? <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't they know we're trying to find joy in the Lord and peace that passes understanding, find our rest in God? <laughs> you know, maybe we can drown out their voices and their cries for help if we uh, sing a little louder, pray a little harder, right? Read the Bible a little more. <laughs> Maybe we don't have to look at all the people drowning around us if we keep our eyes fixed on heaven, right? Waiting for the return of Jesus in the clouds. Keep looking up, we say to each other, right? Fix our eyes on Jesus, we say. And look, it sounds holy, it sounds righteous, but it's what Jonah's doing here. Keeping himself distant, separated from the pain and trials and turmoil all around him really ends up distorting our witness to the world and uh, reveals some muddled ideas about God and the purpose of his church in this world as well. That's what Jonah does in the midst of this storm. It's really his fault. If anyone's to blame, it's his fault, and he just doesn't care. He goes down into the boat, falls down into a deep sleep. Uh, We're going to see in future verses, though, that God doesn't let him stay there. All right, God uses the sailors. Look at the, what, what, just a little <laughs> foretaste uh, preview. God uses these pagan sailors and this pagan captain of the ship to rouse the prophet Jonah from sleep. How about that, huh? God is going to speak to Jonah through the pagan sailors, through the pagan captain. Hmm. And I think that's what God does for you and me as well, if we're willing to listen. Okay. Don't disregard what those quote-unquote pagans out there are saying, what they're crying about, what they're noticing that needs to be fixed and changed in culture. Maybe, just maybe, God is speaking to you and me through them. Well, we'll, we'll, sort of a preview. We'll see about all that in future episodes. I just want to, as we close out, just point out one thing. If you and I are truly following Jesus, okay, do, do you know where Jesus is going to lead us? He's not going to lead us into more Bible studies and prayer meetings and potlucks and okay, padded pews. Okay? When we truly follow Jesus, he's going to lead us into the world, into pain and suffering of the people around us. He's going to lead us right into the storm where people are drowning and full of fear. I wrote in one of my books, I don't remember if it was Skeleton Church, maybe Death and Resurrection of the Church, I think. He's going to lead us, Jesus, when we follow Jesus, Jesus Jesus is going to lead us to the very gates of hell. To rescue the perishing. To love the brokenhearted. To serve the sick and needy. That's what Jesus said when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what that means? It means we're on the attack against the gates of hell. He's leading us to the gates of hell to attack. That's what the church is. That's where we're going. And the church that truly follows Jesus into this world, uh, that's where we're going. We're not going away from the world. We're headed into it. Um, This whole concept of into the world, I did write about that in my book, Skeleton Church, and also I talk about it a lot in the course, The Skeleton Church. Uh, That book and the course provides this bare-bone definition of church, and I know, defining church, that sounds boring. Look, the book isn't boring. 
Uh, thousands and thousands of people have read it, and you can get it uh, a free copy of the book by joining my online discipleship group. It's going to show you what the church should be and do in this world, how to follow Jesus into this world, how to follow Jesus to the very gates of hell, to, to, into the storms of life that people are experiencing all around you. And um, that's what Jonah does not do here, but it's what God is calling him to do. It's what's calling you and me to do as well. And again, you can get that course and the book for free when you join my discipleship group at redeeminggod.com slash join. And um, everybody can get that course and the book for free, whether you're part of the Faith, Hope, and Love member, uh, membership levels. But if you want my other courses, those are reserved for the, the, the last two, Hope and Love. Okay, they can get all the courses. So anyway, whatever whatever uh, level you use, I can't wait to see you in those uh, discipleship areas of my website. Again, redeeminggod.com slash join. My goal there is to help encourage you, show you that God loves you, that his grace is eternal and infinite for you, that there's no sin that is too great, that he's not out to punish you for, you, for your sin. We've seen that today. And most of all, that you can follow Jesus into the world wherever he's leading. See you next week as we pick back up in Jonah 1-6.